So, let me give you my aim for tonight. I always have an aim to cause the audience to know, which that's my little T-C-T-K-T... No, what is it? T-C-T-A-T-K for you BSFers, former BSFers. To cause the audience to know that Deuteronomy helps us understand the relationship between grace, law, and obedience. That's, that's my uh, objective, if you will, my motivation for studying Deuteronomy. Because I don't know if I said it before we started, but I ended up kind of deciding to study De- that we would study Deuteronomy without really being fired up about it. I just kind of felt like we should. We're supposed to. Not sure why, but I think we got to study Deuteronomy. And every time I tell somebody that, they'd go, Deuteronomy? <laughs> and I kind of go, oh, yeah, I know. It's like um, when you say after understanding the relationship between grace and what? grace, law, and obedience Thank to understand you. the relationship between grace, law, and obedience. Because one of the one of the uh, somewhat surprising and, and, and encouraging things to me about this study is is grace. I mean, I, if you'd asked me about Deuteronomy, I would have. I, or, you know, it, it's a, it's about the law. It's about obedience. Those two parts of it, I, I think I had enough familiarity with. But what I'd never thought about is grace. And, and I mentioned we talked about it in our small group. Uh, Cole, if you've been, if you go to church here, and Cole's preaching through sermon, preaching through Romans. And I, I've, in my notes, I found three different times over recent weeks where Cole has made the point. That Eve, that the law that we're talking about in Deuteronomy, how did he put it? it started was initiated by God's grace. In fact, let's let's look at uh, he cites he. I don't think he's ever quoted the verse, but we studied it when we did Exodus a few years ago. Open up to Exodus 19, and there's references to this event in our in the first few chapters of Deuteronomy, but it's this. Chapter 19, if you remember, or even if you don't, I'm about to tell you. It's when they first came out of Egypt. God brought them out miraculously, powerfully out of Egypt. Within a week or two, He gets them to Mount Sinai. And they're basically camped at the base of the mountain. And that's where, they have, that's where God is going to give them the Ten Commandments. But before that happens, look at the first few verses of chapter 19. In fact, it says in the third month after the sons of Israel had come out, on the very day that they came into the wilderness, and he talks about it, then he says, uh, verse 3, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel. So here's what God wanted, the kind of the first thing he wanted Moses to tell the nation of Israel that he just brought out of Egypt. Verse 4 You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So that's God again telling Moses, here's what I want you to go tell the nation of Israel. But did you see that in verse 4? 
You, you, God wants Israel to be reminded, to be told by Moses, you yourselves see, you know, you saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. And so God graciously saved them before He gave them the law. And the law was, the obedience to the law was it was to be in response to God's gracious act of salvation. So, so when we start Deuteronomy... And pretty early, if not initially, in chapter 1, Moses takes them back. Of course, he's talking now to the second generation, and that's one of the puzzles that we're going to... I've been trying to figure out. I don't know if you noticed it. Did you notice that it, at times Moses is talking to this group as if they were there? Did anybody catch that, or were you bothered by that at all? He says, you yourselves saw... And my going in understanding of it was, wait a minute. The first generation that God spoke to through Moses and then and told them to go into the land, and they refused. You know, they sent the 12 spies. Two came back said, we can do it. They're big, but God's going to give them to us. And the other 10 said, no, no. We can't. They're too big, and the walls are too high. We can't do it. And God said, okay then you guys are going to wander around the desert for 40 years till y'all die. And so we're now at that point 40 years later. Right? And now Moses is telling them, anyway, that's just that's something I've noticed in the text and I've been kind of wrestling with how to figure that out. I'm not going to answer it for you and I don't want you to answer it for me right now. But it's just one of the things we're going to study. But the point of all that is that he's, he's reminding the Israelites, this generation, of how you know how God has acted. They're there at that point. They're where they are here at Deuteronomy. At, you know, on the what the east bank of the Jordan River, basically. And they're going in to take the Promised Land. And God is telling Moses is telling them and reminding them in a lot of different ways. God started this whole thing. God's going to finish it. This is all God doing. It's His doing. Um, but and he expects obedience. So what I'm going to do just for a few minutes here is is just give you some some of my first impressions, having just you know spent time worked through lesson one and spent time reading through the book of Deuteronomy, been doing a little bit of reading and a couple of commentaries. Here's some things that um, that it, it, that I'm motivated to, to spend the time studying Deuteronomy to get a handle on. And that is, and back to this, this aim of to see the relationship between grace, law, and obedience, I think part of understanding that is understanding this covenant structure. Did you see that? In, it, was, it was part of lesson one, part of the overview of the book, this notion of uh, the vassal treaty or the suzerain treaty. How many of you are familiar with that structure or that? Yeah, maybe, kind of, no. So, um, so apparently, Deuteronomy can can legitimately be seen as a, as modeled after or similar to this ancient form of a treaty of a, a vassal treaty. Or I, I had first heard about it using the term a suzerain treaty, and it's the, in, a, in the, the you know the the uneducated. Uh, Version or explanation of that is when the really big king conquered the little vassal king, the big king got to deter, got to state the terms. 
The big king would say, all right, here's how this relationship's going to go. I'm going to take care of you, but here's, how, here's what you're going to do in, in response to my protection of you. Because I've, I've, I own you. And so if you obey me, if you, if you hear the terms of the agreement, and if you agree to those terms and, and keep the terms of the agreement, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. But if you don't, here's what I'll do to you. And it was laid out that way. Well, the good news is in, in the covenant, and you see that in the, in, the Deuter, in the text of Deuteronomy, Moses telling them, here's the covenant that God is calling you to. And did you let's see what uh, I'm going to show you? Let's see. Go to if you got your book, just in case you're wondering, what are you talking about up there? Um, page 14. Yes, thank you very much. Page 14 in your book. 14 and 15. You get a little. You get just a. The, and it was also in the very first uh, overview section of the book. That one of the ways, there's actually, I think the book gave us three ways to, to see a structure of the book of Deuteronomy. One is the three sermons of Moses. One is this vassal treaty structure. And I forget the third one. But anyway, but you see the, the, the five sections or the five components of this treaty in Deuteronomy can be seen legitimately according to that. I think that, that's, that this, this covenant treaty this relationship that we have with God is part of how to, how we're going to understand grace the, the relationship between grace and obedience um, years ago it was about six or seven years ago I was actually at uh, second Presbyterian Church Sandy Wilson was teaching in the amen study I don't know how many anybody ever go to the Thursday morning amen study. So he was going through Deuteronomy then, and a friend invited me to go. So we went that year. And somewhere along the way, um, uh, Loritz, uh, the son. Brian? Yeah, Brian Loritz came as a guest speaker when one of the Thursdays that Sandy was not there. And he was kind of talking about this, this, um, this notion of on this side of the cross, we're all about grace. And but maybe the obedience part of the relationship, we sort of lose sight of that. He said, "I got a whole congregation of people whose favorite hymn is, um, um, I'll, I'll mess this up. All to Jesus. Let's see. No, it's not that one. Though. Oh, I'm messing it up. I should have wrote it down. Um, Jesus paid it all. That's it. And they said, and that's where they stop. Jesus paid it all." It's like, yeah, all to him I owe, right? <laughs> that response. We sort of fuzz out a little bit on the all to him I owe part. He was just, he was just making that point. I'll never forget that. Well, obviously I forgot it about two minutes ago. <laughs> but it eventually came back. So anyway, um, here's some things that struck me besides that. So this, this, this uh, vassal treaty and how that's our, this covenant that we have with God. Of course, we're into the new covenant, not the old covenant. So we'll, at some point, we'll be talking about that. But that's that's a fascinating thing that I'm looking forward to study. But here's, I think I wrote down, here's five big things, five. And as I was looking over them, um, it's like, 
one is positive, maybe two are positive, three are kind of negative, but they kind of caught my attention, and so I'm looking forward to working through them and resolving this tension that I see. One is the promise. I noticed in the, that at least 15 times Moses refers back to, you know, that he's given these commands and expects the obedience because of this whole thing that's about to happen is because of the promise God made, initially made to Abraham. In fact, chapter 1, verse 11, May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as He has promised you. And then all the way in chapter 28, verse uh, verse 68, And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt. This is talking about once if you go after other gods and God drives you out of the land. But He says, And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promised that you should never make again, and therefore you shall, and there you shall offer to yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. There will be no buyer. So anyway, but that's just one. That's the, like the number one and the number fifteen. There are thirteen other mentions of the promise in the Book of Deuteronomy. Here's one that maybe caught your attention: the call for careful obedience. Did y'all see? At least in the e, the ESV, be careful to obey. You know how many times that shows up? 24. 24 times in the book of Deuteronomy, be careful to obey. Here's one, chapter 5, verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel, said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. And then in in chapter 32 at the end of the book, verse 46 He said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. So be careful careful obedience. Then the third thing I noted that caught my attention, it's kind of one of these, it's bothersome. And I just wrote, I wrote, I called it the fear factor. We talked a little bit about it in our discussion group. with regard to the, to the nation of Israel at this point, more than once, God says, here's the consequences. If you go after other gods, if you fail to obey, if you fail to accept the terms and be faithful to the terms of this covenant that I'm laying out. Um, chapter 6, verse 14, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. That's chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. All the, here's the one I think that started me, that really, really got my attention on this. And all the way over in chapter 29, because I've skipped chapter 8, chapter 11, couple in 11, but here's chapter 29, starting at verse 18. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man. 
And the curses written in this book will settle upon him. And the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. Uh, That was just, that was severe. That's one of those verses you, you just don't hear people talk about too much. But so I just call it the fear factor. So I'm interested, again, as we work through the passages like that, to understand grace and obedience, grace and the law and obedience. Where was that passage, man? That was uh, chapter 29. Chapter 29, starting at verse 18 through, cha- uh, through verse 21. So chapter 29. Here's another one that kind of surprises me. The negative expectation. And there's not, it doesn't happen so much, but it was so uh, explicit it just caught my attention. So all through, God, Moses is giving the children of Israel, the nation of Israel... The commands, the laws, the statutes, and the expectation that you obey. And then he gets to chapter 31. So this is, again, toward the end. And you know at the end of, at, at the, end of the book is where Moses tells the people, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, God's angry at me because of you. And so I don't even get to go with you into the promised land. I'm going to, this is, Joshua is going to take you into the promised land. So in in chapter 31, verse 27, he says, For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today while I'm yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? I mean, can you imagine your pastor giving you that as his sermon? You people are a bunch of rebels at heart. And when I'm with you, you're that way. When I die... It's going to get worse. That's what Moses said to him. He said, Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. So I, I don't know what to do with that text yet, but it, and we've got a few weeks before we get there. That was chapter 31, starting at verse 27. And related to that, and this is my last uh, surprising thing or thing that's kind of... I mean, you, these things are motivating to me. You kind of think, that <laughs> it's not very encouraging. But it's just, it, it's like, it's the reality of the Word. And what are we going to learn about, again, about grace? Where's grace? What, what's this the relationship between grace and obedience, and the law and obedience? And Cole made the comment Sunday, just, just yesterday morning, that uh, it was something to the, we're in Romans 8, and it was something to the effect that, that, the punishment for sin has been dealt with. Christ has taken the wrath of God for our sin in our place. But obedience is still expected. There is still the expectation of obedience. Yes. Uh, yeah. We're still expected to obey. So, 
And so anyway, uh, my fifth point here, and I, my, my, my description of it was, I said at least one of the purposes of the sermons in the written record that we're studying, Deuteronomy, was to provide a witness against Israel once they rejected once they rejected God. Look at chapter, uh, chapter 4, early in the text, in, in Moses' first sermon. Chapter 4, starting at verse 25. When, your father, when you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke Him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed." All the way to chapter 30, chapter 30, starting in verse 17. Very similar. If your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods, I declare to you today, you shall surely perish. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And again, third chapter 31. Now therefore write this song and teach it to the children, to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. In chapter 31, verse 26, take this book of the law and put it... So this is God giving Moses instruction. Take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. So just like the, the expectation for obedience... Just it's just coming off the page, the pages of Deuteronomy to me. And so here's my closing thought. Here's my, here's one of the ways, and this thought hit me yesterday again as I was listening to Cole teaching Romans eight. So I'm just going to lay this out here. I hadn't read this anywhere. This may be totally, but here's the thought. Because again, I'm trying to understand, trying to see Deuteronomy, understanding the grace of God. God is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. He's always been a God of grace. And I think that th- that what we one of the one of the things we see in the book of Deuteronomy is God's heart in, in the in the negative the the, the uh, his heart toward his people the, to the the rebellion of his people against him. I mean, these are his chosen people, right? <laughs> this wasn't just some pagan nation; these are his chosen people. And he's telling them, he's expressing to them that when, if and when they ignore him and rebel against him and go after other gods and refuse to accept the, co- the terms of the covenant, it really provokes his anger. So what, where does that leave us? Well, he poured all that anger onto Jesus at the cross when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I, I think that's that's my working proposition right now is to God really doesn't he really his righteous anger is really provoked by our sinfulness and the and the, the the message of Romans eight that Cole is teaching us you know there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus what happened to all that anger that we're reading about and De- that we're going to study in Deuteronomy. Jesus took that wrath. I think that's 
something along those lines. That's what I'm thinking. Let me pray for us. We'll be dismissed. Father, again, we thank you for this book. Thank you that, Father, you have given us um, this model of how you dealt with this group of people as your chosen people, your nation, that you bore on eagles' wings and you wanted them to obey you. You wanted them to love you with all their hearts and souls and minds and strength. Jesus repeated that to us. So, Lord, would you help us as we study the next few months, study this book of Deuteronomy, would you help us to see you like you want us to see? And would you help us, would you use the study of Deuteronomy to to change our hearts, to give us hearts that want to obey you more and more? We ask you to do that in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.